The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to continue our conversation about building a productive marketing team. Joining us again is Robert Glazer, who's the founder and CEO of Acceleration Partners, which is an award-winning global affiliate marketing agency delivering performance-based customer acquisition and partnership programs for the world's leading brands. Through their performance partnership program management framework, Acceleration Partners helps their clients create transparent, high-value programs that bring more customers, incremental sales, and faster growth. Yesterday, Robert and I talked about how to build a successful team structure and culture. And today we're going to talk about recruiting and hiring. Okay, here's the second part of our interview with Robert Glazer, founder and CEO of Acceleration Partners. Robert, welcome back to the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for having me. Great to have you back on. Yesterday, we talked a little bit about the foundation of building a great marketing team, which has to do with team structure and culture, having values that you're actually going to live by, and hiring the right people that are going to not only be incented to follow your values, but just inherently believe in them as well. Today, I want to talk to you a little bit about the process of finding the people that are going to be a fit for your organization. Walk me through your thoughts on the recruiting and hiring process for great marketing teams. So there's some things that I have learned over the years through a lot of trial and error. And the first I'll say is anyone hiring should get the book Who by Jeff Smart. I also did a podcast interview with Jeff. Jeff is the world's biggest expert on hiring and there's a lot of science behind it. I think one of the biggest things that I see people struggle with is some sort of voodoo aspect of their hiring. They have some question that they believe is the all-telling question with no scientific validity at all that it does anything, but they think they're clever, they have some belief or otherwise. And, and really, it is an entire process that starts with what do we need and what is the outcome? Recruiting candidates and interviewing against both the capabilities and the values, having a repeatable, consistent interview process that is quantitative, and making sure that you do the whole process. So we actually just did a debrief on a final round candidate. And you know someone was really talking about how they didn't like the answer to one of their questions. Now, this person had made it through three rounds. Their references were off the chart. They've done four times what we wanted to do. And we had a whole discussion. Like, you can't focus on that. Like, maybe they just answered it wrong or heard it wrong. Like, people really focus on 
a specific thing rather than the totality of the whole process. There's a lot of human error in interviewing. We build a system. We have a system of a process, 100 questions. We run the process over and over. We get the data and then we fix it and then it produces a better result. So I really think that people need to understand that there's a lot of bias in interviewing. There's a lot of belief that you have this perfect question. You ask the person, where do you see yourself in five years? And let's say they answer it beautifully, right? They've been telling that story for 10 years and their life is no different, right? And then you call the references and you find out, well, that person's a dreamer and they don't know how to actually make anything happen. So that to me is the danger of getting too myopic about one piece. Well, here's the problem that I have is you ask all of these questions and this human interaction. One person asks another one and you're evaluating the essentially score that you're putting together. You have a hundred questions. Whether someone answers a question right or wrong is totally subjective. So how are you taking, you know, what for the most part in a hiring process is a very subjective decision-making process and either quantifying it so you know you're being consistent or just making sure that whatever subjective judgments you have aren't a factor of, you know, the person didn't eat lunch that was doing the interview, so they're in a bad mood. Well, we're making an objective everywhere we can. And I agree with you. It is the whole process, right? And that's part of the thing of the whole process from beginning to end. So we always actually tell recruiters, look between the lines. Like, did Ben crush the interviews? But like, he was a pain in the ass to schedule with. He was late to the interview. Like, these are all signs of what Ben might actually look like when he comes to the job. So when you talk about the scorecard, the scorecard is the qualities that will make this person successful at the objective of the job. And you're interviewing against them and you should put numerical answers and you should come back in a group and you should look at how everyone thought that that person did against the questions they were given for the specific qualities. And that's really important because I interview Ben, we're beating up on Ben, and I like Ben and everyone likes Ben and he's great. But one of the top five things on the job was attention to detail. And what happens is I like Ben, send him along. But if we all come down and sit at the table and bring our empirical scoring and we go, but Ben, for all of us, seemed low on attention to detail. Well, I just said that that was the number one thing. And you actually pointed out, I thought we were really great four or five years ago because we had all these behavioral-based core value questions around different things. And then one of our coaches said, well, how do you know a good answer? So we actually, for our interviewers, wrote this all into the guide. So here's the question. Here's what a one answer sounds like. Here's what a 10 answer sounds like. So we actually even explain to our interviewers what we're looking for based on our history in those examples. So that, again, they come back with the data and they're able to say, oh, we all liked Ben or we all liked Sarah, but like Sarah's skills just really much more aligned and scored much better to what we all sat down and said in the beginning, you know, is the most important thing. Because here's where the bias comes into play. Ben's the introvert. Sarah's the extrovert. She just crushed the interview. And then we tended like, get a little bit distracted that Sarah is super personal, whatever, but Sarah's never closed a million dollars in new business before. And a requirement of the job was to close a million dollars in new business. There's an app that I used to use. It was called Choice Map and it's shut down. And it's something that I think is great for these types of decisions where you're taking something that's very sort of amorphous and subjective and making it more objective. And the way that choice map works, and essentially you're setting up like a, an algorithm for yourself, is you create 
all of the variables that you're evaluating. If I'm moving into a new apartment, I'm looking at location, price, amenities, relationship with landlords and neighbors, right? Those are my four or five variables, and I'm assigning them a one through five score. And then every time I look at an apartment, I give each one of those variables a ranking, and I multiply them by how important they are and come out with a cumulative score. And then I can really effectively evaluate what's happening. And if you had a hundred of those decisions and you tracked that process, you would find that if you just followed the data, not your heart, you'd make better decisions for sure. Time for a one minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. It ends up being a good guide to understand how you actually feel as opposed to, I like this person and I think they're a fit, but I don't know how to evaluate whether one person's better than the other by actually putting a number, by putting some numeric scoring together. And you can evaluate whether you, I felt like Ben was a better candidate than Sarah. And when I put all the data together, Sarah has a higher score. Let me think about why that is and what the decision-making criteria are and make sure that those are right. So you have to balance the empirical data with a little bit of judgment. As you're going through your scoring methodology, what are some of the things that you're specifically looking for for marketing teams? So we're looking for very aligned to what those objectives were. So I was going to give you an example. So perfect thing. So we believe that it's important to understand if they're fit for the value and they're fit for, and remember we're in client service. So they're a fit for what we do. So if you're applying for account manager job here, you will get some homework. The homework at some point is going to give you a data report and a summary that was given to a client. And it's going to have a lot of mistakes in it both in the report and in the data. And we're going to ask you to go through that and tell us what you would change going to the client. And it's a great predictor of how someone will do the actual work. Do they find the quantitative errors that are on? Do they realize that saying something to a client like, well, last month kind of sucked, but it will get better next month is not verbiage that you would want to say to the client. And some people do terrible on the homework. So we really match it up to like what our best people are doing. 
and look, there's marketing data in there that we have to understand that they can understand. And they'll come back, oh, I, I messed it up or it was too quick or I'm sorry, can I try it again? And we'll say, you know what? The people that have done really well on that do really well when they get here. And the people who haven't, haven't because the conditions won't change. So embedded in that, it's not an aptitude test, but embedded in that is a lot of the things that they are going to need to do on the job. Getting it right the first time is important. Not everybody is going to be perfect. I think that there's something to be said for, I want to take another stab at it to make sure I get it right. And that's something that you have to balance and figure out based on what your organizational values are. Do you want somebody to be able to get it right the first time and have the experience? Or do you want them to be somebody who's going to learn on the job? Probably depends on who you're hiring. If you're looking entry level, they're not going to know their ass from their elbow. They probably need a couple tries to figure things out. But are they coachable? I think is an important part as well. Yeah. And that same exercise is geared to each level. I would actually argue in our case, being careful it's not about getting right, but having good judgment in a client service environment is like paramount. Absolutely. <laughs> now we're talking marketing, right? A lot of marketing client services. There are people who might be technically good at aspects of marketing who come from an in-house job. An agency job, it's very different. It's not often, if you're in the client service facing role, it's not that you're the smartest or the best. It's that you know how to communicate and have the right emotional intelligence to interact with the clients and to get them to understand what you're trying to do and say. So we talked about it earlier, but we're looking in aspects of people who are creative, who have tried new things, that they understand data. I think that's the winning combination these days is innovative and creative, but also knows how to incorporate data and logic into their decision making. So when you get past the recruiting part into the hiring process, talk to me about how you actually filter your candidate pool to get to the person that you want to hire. And then what are the keys to actually get them in the door? One of the things we do in the beginning is we make them read through our sort of three-year vivid vision and plan to see if it's exciting or not exciting. Someone initially does a phone screen, just basic checks. That's actually probably more on core values because we've decided that if someone doesn't have the industry knowledge, we can teach that. If they don't have the core values, that's going to be a lot harder. So there'll be the screen, then they'll do an interview sort of with a peer, and then that will get a little more into the subject matter expertise. Then they will have, if they pass that, they will have some homework and or presentation as they move into a final round that requires some live thinking and feedback. Because what we found is some people clearly got help with <laughs> things behind the scenes in the past. And, and the one thing that we could recreate from the client service experience was how does the person handle sort of live interactive discussions around topics and concepts and how they react to that. So from there, they move into the final round and then really you're moving into then closing them and showing them why this is the best opportunity to them. What is the training, onboarding, how are we going to make them successful we invest a lot in our people in terms of leadership training. So that's a big thing that we're talking to people about too, about the types of training that they're going to get and how we've had 42 promotions already this year and 76 last year and that 90% of the people in their roles are in the highest role they've ever been in and been promoted in that role. So them seeing that this is a learning and growing organization. So you're essentially selling through the process and trying to give people an understanding of why they're being asked the questions that they're being asked. You're educating them on how your organization functions. When you actually get to the close, are there any rules of thumb or tips? Or is it just, hey, here are the numbers. We're a great organization. You're going to move forward. Let's go. You know, Keep it short and simple. Or are you really selling? 
look, in a competitive market, you're selling, but you're just telling what they are. We don't bend our rules for one-offs. Every time we've done a one-off, we've sort of regretted it. We've actually found that most people's titles have been inflated to where ours are or levels. And when they come in, they're almost a level below. So remember, we have that core value of own it. So when we say to someone, look, I know you're a senior manager, but that really equates to a manager at our organization. If you come in and crush it, we can promote you. So we don't want to put you over your head because if you start in a spiral, it doesn't end well from our experience. So but if you want to come in and a manager, we have a promote when ready process. You know, If you're ready in 30 days, you can get promoted. If you want to control your own destiny, if you want to own it, then we'd like to do that. If they are hung up on the title or the fee or I am worth this or don't want to own it or bet on themselves, then we really don't adjust our process for that. Every time we've chased that person, oh, well, this person's worth it. It's often, it hasn't been, or they've struggled. The biggest thing I think that we have struggled is people coming in and are the way we do things being a level above what they're used to. But what we're also hoping is that the interview process itself was so thoughtful and professional and followed up and the whole thing, even if it didn't work out, that they're saying, wow, this is the kind of company I want to work with. This other company couldn't figure out who was interviewing me or when. This guy said something appropriate. This woman asked me about my family. You know, you know, I think in the interview process itself, you can demonstrate how your organization does things. I think there's rules and principles when you're setting up your organizational structures. Going through your hiring process has the same. You need to have your values, have your guidelines, know what is out of bounds for you, and stick to that through the entire process. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks again to Robert Glazer, the founder and CEO of Acceleration Partners, for joining us. In part three of our interview, which we're going to publish tomorrow, Robert is going to tell us his thoughts about the difference between hiring for local versus remote employees. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Robert, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can send him a tweet. His handle is Robert underscore Glazer, R-O-B-E-R-T underscore G-L-A-Z-E-R. Or you could visit his personal website, robertglazer.com, or his company's website, which is accelerationpartners with an S dot com. Just one link in our show notes that I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes, contact information for our guests. You could subscribe to our once a week newsletter. You can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you could always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, in addition to part three of our conversation with Robert Glazer, CEO and founder of Acceleration Partners, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.